Hello and welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast, where we desire to see a world transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, you can send a message to info at mycrossroads.co. Now, let's get our hearts and minds ready for a powerful message from God's Word. Good morning, everybody. And I, I agree with uh, what, what Brandy said. I really believe that this is a message that's going to impact a lot of lives. I, I mean, I don't just say that. There's just certain messages that you think are, are going to be more, more powerful. God can do whatever he wants. But I really believe that, um, that this is, is going to be something that is life-transforming for us as a church and life-transforming for many people who are watching. And I want to watch, uh, just say hi to those who are watching online today. Uh, welcome to Crossroads, and thank you for, uh, for, for tuning in around the country and around the world. Uh, we love you, and we are glad that you're part of the, the Crossroads family to, today. You know, how you view, what you view the purpose of something will have a big, big impact on what you, some of the decisions you make about that and, 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 and how you view that. Let me show you, for instance, just like for, for, for shoes or for, for footwear. If you believe the primary purpose of footwear is comfort, the chances are you're going to get some chakas or some sandals or some flip-flops or something like that because that's what you believe. That's going to affect your decision. Now, if you believe that, that, uh, that shoe wear is primarily for the purpose of, of fashion or design or something, I do want to go on record to say these are not mine, okay? These, but then you're going you know, to make a different decision. You're going to make a different purchase. In fact, the chances are, ladies, that you may even sacrifice comfort in order to fulfill the fashion or the desire, the design. If you believe it's about sports, then you're going you're gonna to be able to, you're going to pick some shoes that, that, that fit that sport, whatever you're going to try to do there. If you believe the primary purpose of shoes is to survive a nuclear holocaust, then maybe some Doc Martens or something are, are your, your choice. But here, here's the thing that we all have, like, uh, you know, whatever we, we have the purpose, what we think the purpose of life is, it's going to affect everything. It's going to affect the, the decisions we make. It's going to affect how we spend our time. It's going to affect how we spend our money. It's going to affect what we do with our, with our talents and our gifts and everything. It's going to have a huge, huge impact, starting with what do we view about that? What do we view the purpose of, of, of life? Now, every single one of us, we have like life metaphors. We have these things that we think in our life, in our, in our culture, that we think this is what life is. We have this metaphor of what life is about. For instance, there are people who absolutely believe that life is a party. That's the metaphor. And therefore, that they believe life is all about uh, fun and pleasure and seeking pleasure, seeking entertainment, things like that. So they're going to spend their time and their, and their money and their effort and everything to, to seek pleasure, to seek entertainment. And, but there's other people that they believe that, that life is, uh, is about uh, a, a battle or a game. And therefore, winning is going to be everything to them. Winning whatever that battle is, winning whatever that game of life is, it's going to be all about that for those people. There are other people that their metaphor for life is a ladder. And climbing the ladder is everything. Climbing the corporate ladder, climbing the, the, uh, the social ladder, climbing the company ladder, whatever it is, that they're going to be, they're, they were willing to do sometimes do anything or do a lot to just get to the next rung of whatever the, the ladder is. Now, here's the thing. God has also some metaphors for life that he uses in his, in his word. And maybe don't you think we should look to the creator of what the metaphors should really be in our life. And here's three of them that we're going to take a look at today. And that's this, that life is a test, life is a trust, 
and life is also a temporary assignment. We start out with life is a, is a test. You know, you think about that, that so many times in the Bible, God is testing somebody in the Bible. In fact, mentioned over 200 times is the word test or testing or words associated with that. In fact, so many of our favorite biblical stories are all about testing. For instance, you know, you go all the way back to Adam and Eve, and you have, they, they are, are placed in paradise. I mean, they're in a perfect situation. And God says, you can eat from any tree in the garden, any tree that you want, except for one. It was a test. It was a test from God. Will you obey what I say? Will you put me first? Will you believe my words more than you believe the words of, of, of Satan? It was a test for them. You take a look at, at Abraham was given a, a test, wasn't he? Several of them. One of the things that he was given was, okay, uh, Abraham, I want you to go to a country you don't even know. I want you to just leave everything you know, and I want you to head out, and I'll tell you when you get there. That was a test. And then he was also tested in one that we're going to take a look at in a, in a few minutes about. He was tested. He was asked to, uh, to sacrifice his only son. And, and, and that was a, a, huge, a huge test for, for him. There was Esther in the Bible, who she could have done one of two things. She could have either protected herself and tried to save her own skin, or she could have taken a stand for her people, the Jews. And she passed the test, unlike uh, Adam and Eve. You, know, you could take a look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew children. They were given the opportunity to either bow down to the idol that, that Nebuchadnezzar had put or to take a stand and be thrown in the furnace. It was uh, a test for them as, as well. And, and really, testing does two things. It, uh, it reveals and it develops. It, what, what does testing reveal? If you're you know, going to school, it reveals how much you know the subject, right? When you have a test, it reveals whether you know the subject or not. That's why they're testing you. If, uh, when I was growing up, they did the President's Physical Fitness Award every, every year, and, and that tested your physical ability, how in shape you were. They also did, you know, some of you have had blood tests or tests like that. It's, it, it reveals things. It reveals whether there's a problem or whether there's not a problem. It reveals things. And so imagine this. Like, if we have an opportunity to, to maybe say lie this week, maybe you have an opportunity to lie or to, or to tell the truth or, or smudge the truth or anything like that, it reveals something, doesn't it? However you respond to that, it reveals something about it. It reveals about your character. Are you somebody, are you an integritous person? Will you tell the truth no matter what? It reveals, but it also does something else. It, de it, it develops as well. Imagine that you had an opportunity to do something, a, a temptation, and you're, you're torn between that. You have this opportunity. It can do one of two things. Not only does it develop your character, I mean, uh, it, it shows, it reveals your character, but it develops it. Every time you say yes to a temptation and you fall for that temptation, it undermines your integrity some. It undermines your faith some. It undermines, it hurts you in some way. Every time you say yes and uh, say no to a temptation, every time you take the, the right step, that does something too. Not only does it, does it reveal your character, but it also develops. Every time you say no to that, it takes you to another level. Every time you say no to that, it makes you a more integritous person. It, it, it increases your, your faith. So not only does it re, uh, reveal, it also develops. And let's go back to Abraham for a second. I mean, I want you to think about this. He was asked to, to sacrifice his, his only son. Now, first of all, I want you to know 
that Isaac was never in danger. God already had a plan. Nothing was going to happen to Isaac. But I also want you to know something too. God never asked Abraham to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. And I really feel I'm supposed to say that this, this morning, that there's somebody here, you're wrestling with just, with faith in God and something. But here's the thing I say, that God is man enough to play by his own rules. He never talk, calls us to do something that he's not willing to do him, uh, himself. And something too there is just like, so, so here he passed the test. He was willing to sacrifice his son, believing God, trusting that God was gonna do something, raise him from the dead or do something uh, amazing there. He had that kind of faith, that kind of trust. He passed the test. But then it was only after he passed the test that then he saw the ram cut, caught in the thicket and he was able to sacrifice the ram in, instead. And it was then that he said these words. He said, Jehovah Jireh, if you've ever heard that. It means God is our provider. Now, God, before that test, he may have had the faith in God's provision right here, but after that test, it developed his faith, and man, he knew, he knew that he knew that he knew that God was the, the provider after that. And really, you think about it, all of life is a test, isn't it? I mean, it, it's, it's a test on, on what we, on, on our, just the, the um, like people, We'll be tested with people. We'll be tested with problems. We'll be tested with success. We'll be tested with conflict. We'll be tested with problems. All of these, life is a, is a test. And here, let me just go a few of some of those. Now, someone may, they just rag on you this week. I mean, they just maybe go, out, go off on you. Maybe they do something mean. Maybe they say something mean to you. It's a test. You've got a choice to either big, do the, the, the bigger person or you lash right back at them. It's a test. For the, for the youth in here, for, the, for, for kids in here, here's the thing. Every single, every single time you interact with your, your parents, it's a test. Will you honor them? Will you dishonor them? Will you obey them? Will you disobey them? And especially on the times when they tell you to do something that you don't want to do, y'all, it's a test. Something else, you know, you, you think of that maybe you have an opportunity to, to, to look at a, a website that you shouldn't be looking at. It's a test. Right? We can, either, we can either fall for that or we cannot. We, it either not only reveals our integrity, but it also develop our integrity or undermine our integrity. Every single time we have that, it's a test. Also, every day of our life, we have a test with what we're going to do with this mouth. We're going to do with this, uh, this tongue. Every day of our life, we can either tear people down or we can build people up. We can either bring life or we can bring death. Every single day of our life, we're going to be tested with that. And I bet this sometime maybe happened this week, that you all of a sudden get this, this, this juicy gossip. I mean, it's juicy. You want to pass it on. It's a test. It's a test. Will you pass that on or will it die with you? At least your part of it, will it die with you? Every single part of the life is a test in that way. Uh, what will we do if we, all of a sudden, how will we respond to that attractive person at work that we're not married to? It's a test. How will we respond to that? And it, we will be tested by undeserved criticism, by unanswered prayers, by, uh, by delayed promises, We'll be tested by our failures in life. We'll be t uh, tested by our successes in life. We'll be t uh, also tested by senseless tragedies that happen to us or to, to other people. Here's an important thing that you understand. God will never tempt you. Ever, ever, ever. If you ever feel a temptation, it will never, ever, ever come from God. The Bible makes it clear. God doesn't tempt. Satan tempts. Satan will try to tempt you in order to destroy you. 
God will never tempt you, but he will test you in order to strengthen you, in order for the, the things in your life that are weaknesses can become strengths. And realizing this, it can revolutionize our life. When we realize that every, part, every day will be a test, that every part of life is a test, it makes, it, it makes every decision significant. It makes every action significant. It makes it that we will under, be undermining our character, undermining our faith every day with every decision, or we will be building our character, building our integrity, building our, our, our faith. And also it demonstrates our loves and deepens our faith. Have you ever had the time where you seem to go over the same struggle time after time after time after time after time after time? And it's like, when is this going to stop? I mean, when, is, when, is, when am I going to get a break from this one issue, this one thing that keeps going on and on and on? Why does it keep coming back in my life? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's because there's a weakness there. Maybe you've just had defeat after defeat, and God wants to keep you facing that until that weakness becomes a strength, and until that, that defeat becomes a, a victory. Let me give an example of that. I grew up in Colorado. My, uh, my high school was incredible at, at basketball. They won the state championship almost every year that I was, uh, the, that I was there. And one of the big reasons they, they won the state championship is because I wasn't playing on the team. But, no, they were amazing. They really were. And we had some guys that went into the pros and just incredible. We had this, this coach that was legendary. I mean, he was absolutely fantastic. And I remember watching him coaching a guy one time. He was a, one of the centers on our, uh, on our team. And, and I remember him doing, just teaching this guy one post move, an up and under move. And, and he said, no, 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 no. That's not the way you do it. Here's how you do it. And he showed him again, and he tried again. No, 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 this is how you do it. Tried it again, 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 tried it again. Finally, he saw some. he said, that's it, you're closer, that's it. We almost have it. And then all of a sudden, he did it, and he did it right, and he gives him a high five and said, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's how you do that. And this guy used that move to kick tail the rest of the, the, rest of the, the year. And I watched something happen. I watched this guy as it was going on. He is so frustrated and so bummed out that he's not getting this right time after time. But then all of a sudden, when he started to see some, some, some things there, suddenly that turned into hope. And I'm watching this hope going. And then, then I saw just celebration in his eyes, in his face, when he finally got it right as they were giving high fives to, to each other. And God loves us enough that sometimes he will allow us to go. Maybe somebody's pushing your buttons. And every time at home, somebody can push your buttons. Every time at school, every time at work, they can push that same button. And you get so frustrated because you just never get through it. And it always works. And it's always effective and everything. But suddenly God's saying, look, I'm not letting you up on this. I'm going to keep having people push that button until it doesn't push your button anymore. And God keeps working on that move and working on that move. And you're so frustrated to start and so frustrated, but suddenly you're watching yourself and you're getting a little victory in that area. And, and, and then, but then it turns into you no longer, that button when it's pushed, it doesn't bug you like it used to bug you. Maybe again, maybe it's a temptation of some sort that, that you've had, you've lost to it every single time. It seems like no matter when that comes, you blow it, you blow it, you blow it. But God's saying, I'm not letting up on you. I'm allowing that to happen until you get over that, until that weakness becomes a victory. And is there anything better in life than something that used to own you, than something that used to control you, that used to beat you every time, and suddenly it doesn't beat you anymore. You do some beating after a while. You're the one that's beaten. That doesn't that feel great when you finally gain the victory and you start opening up the can on it instead of it opening up the can on, on you. Amen? And then, uh, and kind of like this, like Shannon's testimony. 
My name is Shannon McAteer. I'm the Executive Director for Seekers Aquatic Adventures, and we use scuba diving to explore Christ's creation underwater. And in doing so, we have to teach people how to scuba dive. We're taking these people in an alien environment um, on a life support system, and we're teaching them how to survive there, but also how to thrive there. We want them to enjoy their time. So as much as I am a scuba instructor, I'm also a coach. I, you know, we teach them these skills and then we coach them to get better and better. We want them to gain mastery of that skill so that they can do it without thinking. And I think God works the same way in our lives. You know, as we go through, we're in an alien environment here on earth. You know, this is not our home. It's a temporary place and it's a dangerous place. Much like the water can be if you're not trained properly. And I think God uses his word and the Holy Spirit and some other tools to, to teach us how to make it through life, but also uh, how to coach. And sometimes when we're, we don't get it right, he has to put us through these things again. You know, and it makes me think of my, my own son that I was teaching how to scuba dive recently. At 10 years old, Tucker was as young as you can be to be a scuba diver. And all of his friends about the same age were going through the class with him. So as we're going through these skills, because he's my son and because he's so young and all his friends are so young, I just felt like they needed some extra coaching. So I decided with the permission of, their, of the parents in shallow water to go through some uh, a little bit more aggressive skills to really make sure in the event of emergency they would know what to do or event of a problem. So and it was like taking their mask off continually underwater, taking the regulator out of their mouth and them having to put them back on, sometimes one at a time, sometimes both at a time. And you know, it was teaching them muscle memory. It was teaching them how to survive. And that way, when they're underwater, they're diving, somebody kicks a regulator out of their mask out or both, they know exactly what to do and how to do it. They've done it lots of times. I've coached them how to do it uh, in every little detail I could think of. And it was a little painful for them to do that underwater because it's not pleasant to have your mask pulled off underwater or your regulator pulled out. At the end of that, I thought, man, these guys are not gonna have a problem. They lose their mask underwater, they're gonna get it back on. My prayer for you, just like for my students, is that you learn, and you learn the first time. And if you don't, that you keep trying, you keep pushing, and you accept uh, your coaches, your instructor. In our case, in this world, it's our God. His divine um, coaching and inspiration and teaching, and we find that through the Word, we find that through the Holy Spirit, um, but we have to have our listening ears on, we have to be teachable. Uh, just like I tell Tucker all the time, he's got to be teachable. He doesn't know how to do it by himself. He needs somebody, his father, to, to guide him, just like we need our father to guide us. Some of life's tests will seem overwhelming to us. They will be our Isaac moment where God is telling us to do something, and it will test our faith to the uttermost. There'll be other times where it's just, uh, it seems like insignificant how we treat the waitress. Uh, when somebody cuts us off in traffic, how we, how we respond to, to that. It seems insignificant, but each time it makes a difference. Here's some really good news I want you to hear. First of all, God will never give you a test that you can't handle. Here's a promise from him in 1 Corinthians. This is God will keep his promise. He will not allow you to be tested beyond your power to remain firm. At the time you are put to the test, he will give you the strength to endure it and so provide you with a way out. And also, 
God wants you to pass every single test. Have you ever had a teacher, have you ever had a professor that seems like they are, their, their, their duty is to try to destroy your confidence and to try to make it where you fail and everybody in the class fail the test? That's not God. God wants you to pass every test that you, that you go through. And the third thing is, is we get rewarded when we pass life's test, not just with an A, not with a B, not with a score, but listen to this. Blessed are those who endure when they are tested. When they pass the test, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Life on earth is a test, but life on earth also is a, is a trust. Every single thing that you have, every single thing you ever will have that's good has been given to you by, by God. Your looks, your abilities, your, your, your talents, your time, your opportunities, your family, your friend, everything has been given to you by, by God. I mean, there's nothing that we own, and we need to understand that. Here's what the Bible says. Here's David that understands that. He says, the, Lord, the earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. First uh, Corinthians says this, what do you have that God hasn't given you? And if you have it from God, then why do you boast as if it was not a, a, a gift? I think one of the most important things that we can ever understand is the, the ownership issue or the stewardship issue, that we don't own it, that God owns everything. Even our next breath is on loan to us from God. Now, that means one of two things. That means when we understand that, we can either treat, because it's not ours, we can either treat it like junk or we can treat it beautifully, this, this life that God has given us. And here's one example from Ferris Bueller. The 1961 Ferrari 250GT, California. Less than 100 were made. My father spent three years restoring this car. It is his love. It is his passion. It is his fault he didn't lock the garage. How about we run a nice Cadillac? My treat! incredible gift of life that God's given us, we can trash it. And we see all around us, we've seen people who trash the life that God has given them. But other times, what we can do is knowing that it's not our life, we treat it with even greater respect. Uh, imagine if somebody gives you, lends you a, a beach house. You can trash it. That's, that's something you could do. But most of us, wouldn't we go, you know, because it's not mine, I'm going to even treat it with greater respect and greater honor than if it was my, my own. 
Because as of thanksgiving for them giving me, lending me, entrusting me with that beach house. Or also we can say, look, I want to prove to you that I'm trustworthy, that you give me, you know, that you are able to do that again. Every time we do something, we show that we're either trustworthy or untrustworthy in that because we have been given a a trust. And here's one of the things I want you to know that, um, first of all, there's the parable of the talents that God gives. Jesus gives this parable. And what it is, is he says, he gives three different people uh, what was called talents. It was a gift, it was a, a certain amount of money, but I think we can use that as a double meaning, right? Right? That he gives people certain amounts of, of talents. And, and they do different things with it. They're given different amounts. But two of the guys, they, they invested. And they used it for exactly what, God, what the master gave them for. And this is what was said. The master said this to them. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. One, however... He buried his talent. He didn't invest it. He didn't use it for what it was used for. And listen to these words from the master that used to this person. You wicked, lazy servant. What horrible words. And one of the most sobering thoughts in my life is someday I will stand before God and I will either hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You've done what you're supposed to do with what I gave you or I will hear the exact opposite of those. And so, so, will, each, so will each of us. And here one thing I want you to know that we are... Um, that we are 100% saved by grace. There's nothing we do. It's all God. We don't earn our way to salvation. But one thing that Jesus is making clear here is we will be accountable for what God has, has done with us, and we will be rewarded accordingly for, uh, for that. And one thing that I'm really glad he didn't say here, I am really glad the master didn't say, well done, you were spectacular. Because I don't know about you, I don't do spectacular that, that well. Something else I'm really glad, I'm really glad that he didn't say, well done, you were perfect, because I know I don't do perfect at all. But he said, well done, good, and what's the word? Faithful. I can do faithful, and you can do faithful. We can both do faithful, because faithful just has to do with, with, with our choices and, us, and our intentionality and our fulfilling that. It has nothing to do with our spectacularness or perfection or anything like that. Here's three promises according to this scripture that God gives us for being faithful for what he's entrusted us with. The first is affirmation. He says, well done. Can you think of anything more awesome in the whole universe, in your whole life ever, than you stand before the God that created you and him say, well done. Man, race well one run, way to, way to go, my precious son, way to go, my precious daughter. And the second thing is promotion. I'm according to this, we will be given greater opportunity or responsibility in heaven as a result of this. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And there's also celebration. Come and share your, your master's happiness. You know, something interesting about this is, you know, you take a look at the other part of that, not only talents, but it's also, you know, it was, it was money in, in those days. And what we do with our money, is there any bigger way that we do our, our trust or our, uh, you know, or, or a test? I mean, that is probably the biggest test for many, many people in this room is what do we do with what God's given us, us there? And, and even with the, with the tithe, Bobby talked about the tithe and things. Why is that so important? Why do we go, God, you don't need anything. Why is the tithe so important? It's a test, right? The Bible says it's a test. Will you put him first? Or will you not put him, him first? Will you, will you listen to what God says? Will you be obedient to what he says? Or will you not? Listen to these words. He says, these are the words of Jesus. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. It's a test 
It's a trust. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, what's worldly wealth? Who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been uh, trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And do you see what that's saying? How we manage these things that don't matter, how we manage worldly wealth, it will determine what God can bless us with and spiritual blessings, which are true riches. And think of this. Let me ask you this question. Is how you're handling that, is it preventing God from adding further blessing in your life, or is it paving the way like we even heard on the, the testimony to, today? And here's something, too. So life is a test. Life is a trust. It's also a temporary assignment. I want you to think some of the metaphors that God uses for, for life. He says it, the brevity of life. He says it's a breath. I mean, think of that. Whew. Here today, I mean, just it's, it's a moment. And we know that. Somebody the other day was just telling me, man, it is so freaky how life just goes like that. It's just a breath. There's some other things that says it's a mist. It's just there, and you look at it, and one second it's, uh, it's, it's gone. And by, the Bible says this. David again says this. Lord, help me to realize how brief my time on earth is. Help me to know that I am here, but for a moment more. And because of that, God says, here's how we should respond. He gives us other metaphors. Here's how we should respond. He says we should be aliens. We should be strangers. We should be pilgrims in this, uh, in this world. And those of you who have ever been on a vacation, those of you who have ever been on a business trip, those of you who have ever been on a mission trip, you know that when you go to that place, you're not living there, so you treat it different. You don't treat it as your home. You treat it as a place you go there to do something for a short time, for a short uh, assignment. Here's what the Bible says, too. Friends, this world is not your home. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. And we should have a totally different worldview from the non-believers. He said this. Those in frequent contact with the things of this world should make good use of them. Hey, it's fine that we have things. But here's the thing. Make good use of them without being attached to them. For this world and all its contents will pass away. You know, I've had the, the opportunity uh, on a few occasions to be with the ambassadors, the United States ambassador in other countries. And what a job. You know, I mean, what a privilege. What an incredible privilege that, uh, that is. What an incredible responsibility is that is. But first, understand that, that the person, they're there just for a temporary assignment. Their citizenship is in the United States. And then the other thing is that especially before the days of the media, whoever went there, they represented the United States. And they, they may have been the only representation this people group ever saw of the United States. So if the, that representative, that ambassador was a jerk, then they thought the United States, the people in the United States were jerks. If that person was really kind and really sweet and really generous and really wonderful, then they're thinking, man, everybody in the United States is wonderful, sweet and kind and generous and everything. They represented that. You want to hear something amazing that the Bible, a title the Bible gives us? The Bible says you are an ambassador. Let me get the exact. It said, uh, it said we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Think of that word. You know what that means? First of all, you're only here for a short time. Your citizenship is not here. Your citizenship is in heaven. And the other thing that's amazing thought of is you represent Jesus Christ to this world for good, bad, or indifferent. In your school, you represent Jesus Christ. In your job, you represent Jesus Christ. In your community, with your neighbors, with your family, with your relatives, with every place you go, you are a representative of Jesus. And that means sometimes 
You're the only representative that somebody ever has of who Jesus is or what a Christian is all about, for good, bad, or indifferent. And that means that if we're jerky to people, then they'll think, man, Christians must be jerks. If they see us as loving and kind and generous and merciful and, and everything, they're going to have a great, a great thought of who Jesus is and who our Heavenly Father is. We represent Jesus, which is an incredible thought to think. And here's something that Rick Warren said. Well, first of all, if you've ever wondered why you don't ever feel quite at home on this earth, that even though you have great times and even things, but it just never, there's just something somewhere missing, it's because of this. It's not our home. We're just passing through. We have a temporary assignment, and here's what Rick Warren said. The fact that earth is not our ultimate home explains why, as followers of Jesus, we experience difficulty, sorrow, and rejection in this world. It also explains why some of God's promises seem unfulfilled. Some prayers seem unanswered, and some circumstances seem totally unfair. This is not the end of the story. You know, you may wonder why God was able to use some people more than others as we look like the hall of fame that the Bible has in in Hebrews chapter 11. It's the hall of faith. Why were some people so used of God? God gives one indication here of why they were able to be, why they were such a different maker in the world. It was because of their attitude towards the world. And here's what he says about it. All those great people died in faith. He talked about the Abrahams and the, and, and the, the Davids and all those and the, the Esters. They did not get the things that God promised his people, but they saw them coming far in the future and were glad. They said they were like visitors and strangers on the earth but they were waiting for a better country, that they were waiting for a better country, a heavenly country. So God is not ashamed to be called their God because he has uh, prepared a city for them. You know, there was one, one story that I heard a long time ago as I was starting out in ministry that's, that's given me comfort sometimes through the years. And that's this. There was a, a, a missionary at the turn of the century, and I'm talking the early 1900s, that he had given his life in the mission field. And I mean, he'd surrendered, he'd lost a lot in the mission field. He lost his family on the mission field. He'd given his, given his life and, and everything for that. And he just came back. It just so happens that he's on the same boat as the president of the United States. And he, they get, get to the place, and there's this huge celebration. There's a Marine Corps band. There's a, a, a red carpet. There's banners everywhere. There's this huge crowd as the president gets off. And he gets off and just slinks by himself and by himself and, and alone. And he said he kind of got hurt at God and said, God, why? He said, I've given so much for you. And he said, why this celebration for this and why am I seemingly unnoticed when I come home? And he said, the, he heard the father say, son, you're not home yet. And I want us to know we're not home yet. And we may go through a bunch of junk in this world, but you're not home yet. And here's the thing that I want us to know, and this is significant in life. This life is a test. Every day is a test that we can either increase our, our faith. It can increase, increase whatever it is. It increase or it can diminish that. Every day is a test. And every day, you know, there's times that we blow it and blow it and blow it. God will press into that. Not because he hates us, but because he loves you so much. He wants to see victory in areas of your life where all you've seen to this point is maybe defeat after defeat after defeat. Life is also a trust. You and I have been given everything that we've been given and it's for a purpose. We've been entrusted with something and we can either trash that or we can honor that and use it for what it was used 
for, what it was given to us for. And remember also, no matter how tough life gets, brother, sister, we aren't home yet. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you would like to listen to past Crossroads Church Podcast, you can go to mycrossroads.co slash podcast. Once again, thanks for listening.